You're listening to the Honeypot Chats, a podcast about cybersecurity with your hosts, Brenda and Tambi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Honeypot Chats. Thank you once again for the feedback. It's much appreciated. Let me introduce my co-host, Tambi. Hey, Tambi. Hi, Brenda. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a special guest on the show. His name is Cholwena Luamba. He's the head of telecommunications and IT at Copper Belt Energy Corporation. Welcome to the show, Cholwe. Yes, thank you very much. So like, uh, I've been introduced. My name is Cholwena Luamba. I work for Copper Belt Energy Corporation. I am <laughs> the head of telecommunications, SCADA and IT. Uh, this is a team that basically provides ancillary services to the business, including but not limited to telecommunications, SCADA, which is uh, supervisory control and data acquisition. This is the primary service that we offer to the organization that allows us to control infrastructure for our substations uh, spread across the Copper Belt province of Zambia. And then I guess information technology, software development, and recently introduced uh, cybersecurity at the organization. As you have rightly summarized i am operating in several areas including engineering it digitalization and um, cyber security and uh, i'm a student of life that's pretty much who i am okay so you just mentioned you're a student of life but on linkedin you call yourself the number one student of cyber security despite your vast years of experience why is that um because um, i read something several years back uh, that says that destinations are dangerous. I think it's Bruce Lee who said it. Once you get to your destination, you either put your guard down or you stop growing. Um, so I'm continuously learning and improving. Um, so that is the reason why I like to call myself a student of cybersecurity because I don't want to stop growing. That's the major reason. Great. Now, um, can you just tell us a little bit about how, I mean, you've talked about um, you have experience or what you are in engineering as well, but we want to find out a bit more about cybersecurity. How did you get into it? What was it about cybersecurity that attracted you to it? All right. So funny story. Uh, In 2005, I worked for an internet service provider, the biggest then, which is Zamnet. And um, one morning while driving to the office, I was informed by my boss then that we had just been attacked by some script kiddies. They changed a few things on our internet facing service. After we mitigated the risk and uh, brought back the systems, I was particularly amused by how the script kiddies had managed to break into our systems that we at that time thought were secure. And I also was uh, particularly caught, attention was uh, caught by the terms that were flying around. So it got me wondering how I could get into the field and legally uh, reap the benefit. That is how I started researching and teaching myself uh, a few things. Obviously, that was the spark. Then there was a few years where, uh, having changed jobs, I uh, more or less put that aside, but fate had it that uh, that was uh, my destiny uh, because uh, a few years uh, down the road, while I was at the regulator, I had the opportunity to spearhead uh, the cybersecurity agenda on behalf of the government. Uh, funny enough, the little research and uh, lessons I taught myself, the ISP, 
pretty much uh, put me as a frontliner to to run that that department. And boy, was I ready for that opportunity. Uh, obviously, I put in 110% into trying to become the best in the field. Uh, I knew also that there was uh, was a niche. Uh, so I went on a, on a crazy capacity building. Fortunately, the orga- organization I was working for uh, provided the resources. That saw me getting trained and certified in a broad spectrum of cybersecurity areas, both uh, offensive and uh, defensive. So that's how I got into cybersecurity. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So it was kind of by chance situation, not necessarily from the beginning, right? Well, I was a victim. I worked. I was not, <laughs> and uh, and uh, some uh, script kiddies messed up my my day. Okay. But that was the beginning. So it it has been said that COVID has forced um, digital transformation, and we've seen lots of companies and businesses acting quickly to implement like uh, the likes of remote working and working from home strategies. What risks do you think may be overlooked with this digital transformation, and how do you think we can mitigate them? Well, first, before I talk about the risks associated with uh, digital transformation, of all the negative things that you can say about COVID, I think it has been very effective in uh, getting management uh, in different organizations to realize the importance of uh, digitizing. So I think COVID has definitely brought a revolutionary um, aspect of uh, digital transformation. So it's, it's forced us into, into it. It's pretty much succeeded where most of us in the IT management have uh, failed. This uh, jump or the change in how we operate presents a unique risk. I think the major risk that we will most likely uh, have to deal with is the one resulting from this paradigm shift from a more physical uh, world into a more virtual world. The paradigm shift comes with uh, a cost. There is uh, uh, what I would call a relaxed approach to securing our digital data. The fact that you have digital resources and you can still see them and not know that uh, that data that has that is in your possession has been uh, compromised uh, also adds to the complication i think that is the biggest risk that we will have to uh, deal with to mitigate that one obviously will require some radical change in mindset so we'll need some some solutions that will shock people and in some instances maybe a few a few hacks on a few <laughs> prominent uh, banks, maybe, you know, like Echo Bank, so that you can see, so that people can see the other side of the coin. The, the beauty, obviously, is that it will raise the profile of uh, cybersecurity and now additionally traditional institutions that haven't taken cybersecurity as a major or an important part of how we operate now. That's my opinion. Can we kind of agree to say ethical hacking instead of hacking, hacking, like the bad hacking, like the good hacking? When you're talking about the hacking, like yeah. a, a business space for somebody to be hacked. Oh, it's a, you don't. It's a, it's you don't a, it's a, it's a thin line. <laughs> you know, it's a thin line. It's a thin line. If you ask me, if you engage in uh, ethical hacking, what usually happens is that I did a pen test uh, a few years ago. And we were specifically told not to do any phishing. Okay. okay. But uh, the fact that you're already b- building a fence around the most, e- the most effective way of breaking into a, a system means that you're not preparing for 
the inevitable. So um, I'm not exactly a fan of ethical hacking, but uh, for purposes of uh, uh, staying on the right side of the law, yes, ethical hacking. Okay, so just going back to um, your qualifications, you talked about um, how your previous employer was able to give you the resources to add on to your capacity building. Um, having a look at your LinkedIn on the page or profile rather you have quite a number of certifications there are quite a number there um of course um particular interest for us would be the one in computer forensics and ethical hacking so what i wanted to know is amongst all the other ones that you have why did you pick these two in particular um and then you know are you involved in computer forensics you know, issues or practices in your current job. And then also just your thoughts on this um, issue that we have in the industry between certifications and degrees in cybersecurity. Okay. So um, talking about computer forensics, I was speaking to computer forensics first because that was the security path that I um, took, I took um, initially. First, because of primarily the need that we had at that particular time. So we needed to provide value to government and uh, law enforcement agencies, my previous, uh, my previous employer. So we also realized that a lot of crimes were being committed in digital space. There was a major shortage of um, skills to address the investigation in that um, that arena. So that is the reason why that was the initial push. But then as we progressed in uh, building capacity in that particular area, we also realized that it was important for us to think like the perpetrators, which then more or less pushed me towards thinking uh, on the offense side. And that is um, why the inside looking at uh, penetration testing and ethical hacking. But also we needed to, we were talking about securing government infrastructure. And um, like I said, in order for you to secure the infrastructure, you have to wear the hat of a uh, hacker. And so you hack yourself first before uh, you are hacked by someone who has nefarious intentions. That is the 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 major reason why in my current job um, do we do forensics yes we do but not at the level that we did before like i mentioned earlier on when i joined the organization they did not have a cyber security department which now exists with uh, several people that have been trained and certified in different um, areas of uh, cyber security the interesting question of uh, degrees versus certifications. This this obviously is a very interesting uh, question. My uh, take is that uh, it depends where, where you are. Coincidentally, in forensics, that response of it depends uh, is correct on 99% of the, of the time. Um, so anyway, degrees versus certifications, I think it really depends on where you are. Uh, academic qualifications, uh, even those in cybersecurity, are important if their focus is um, on principles. But as you may be aware, um, the cybersecurity sphere is um, very, very dynamic. And um, I lectured at the university for a long time. I know for a fact that uh, academic 
uh, institutions are very rigid when it comes to changing their uh, curricula. So uh, I would say that academic qualifications and professional qualifications, uh, these are certifications, both have their place. Academic qualifications obviously are good to have, especially if you want them to land you an interview, because most HR practitioners um, have no idea the value of uh, the professional certifications. So if you want to get into the interview, at least get some form of um, academic qualification. Now, these ones generally will not prepare you for the job 100%. So uh, this is where the professional qualifications uh, come in. I think they are more responsive to the challenging field of technology, okay, than the academic qualifications. And in my opinion, the certifications, the professional qualifications will definitely help you get the job done. So I think a good balance is important, but again, it depends where you are in life. I have seen people who have no academic qualifications per se, but have uh, professional certifications and they get the, the job done. So um, I'll insist on saying that it depends where you are and it depends what you I submit. Okay, cool. So finding a balance is basically what you're saying, you know, try to find yes. a balance between the two. Okay. How does you, how does working in cybersecurity in your industry, um, which is considered as a critical infrastructure industry, given that you're in energy, differ from working in cybersecurity from another industry, like let's say um, the financial sector or the educational sector, or is there a difference at all? Okay, that's an interesting question. Um, so, like I said, I worked predominantly before I got into this job in what you could term as um, cybersecurity from a traditional perspective. And I thought I was ready to take on cybersecurity for critical information infrastructure, like the organization that I work for that provides uh, electricity to a critical sector of the country's economy. I was wrong. And uh, it was only after I took some uh, industrial control system security specific training that I realized that there are subtle differences when you're dealing with organizations like banks or those that are in traditional IT security where the fundamental tenets of cybersecurity directly apply. And these are the confidentiality, integrity, and uh, availability, depending on what kind of organization. Um, it is. Um, but when you bring in critical information infrastructure, it becomes interesting. The reason why this is the case is, uh, I'll go on the limb and say, the IT security principles pretty much fail to protect IT networks because um, most of these networks that we are talking about are constantly in the state of compromise. There's always an issue, okay? can't afford that level of um, security rules uh, in an industrial control system because uh, uh, industrial control systems, uh, the first priority is not availability, integrity, or confidentiality. The first priority from a critical information infrastructure is uh, safety, okay? Yes, indeed, the CIA um, rules apply, but they apply from the perspective of the IT network that is connected to the OT, operational uh, technology uh, network. After safety, 
and industrial control systems comes uh, reliability. And we're not talking about reliability of the control system, the SCADA, the one I was referring to, the one that allows you to control the, the process. But we're referring to the process itself. So if the process uh, referred to here and is providing electricity to, let's say, uh, the airport, okay? If that is the prior, that's the process. That is what you're referring to. So the reliability of the electricity as opposed to the systems that allow you to provide that uh, electricity is what I refer to when I say that second priority in any critical information infrastructure is reliability. So the priorities, first two priorities from a critical information infrastructure are physical safety and then physical reliability. Securing um, critical information infrastructure presents uh, obviously several unique challenges because um, these systems were built way before the internet became popular as it is now. Uh, and they were built for reliability, performance, and obviously longevity, okay? Yeah. When these systems are misoperated, they may have costly or even dangerous outcomes. I'll give you an example of, uh, let's say, a mine, okay? That right now systems are uh, highly computerized, but if if you are unable to evacuate miners that are underground, it may have uh, some uh, undesirable um, results. Okay. So in summary, cybersecurity in these two domains is similar but differing more in degree than in kind. If you look at uh, Stuxnet, for example. Obviously, the hack has to come in from the enterprise side. And that is why I said CIA still applies. But when you look at the protection of the industrial control system, the rules are slightly um, change. And that is why I said when I joined the organization, uh, I was hit in the face. When I worked for the regulator and when I was looking at cybersecurity on behalf of Zambia, I remember once asking my uh, director general to speak to the Cisco MD to ask if we can do a penetration test. If he had agreed, it would have been a disaster for the country <laughs> because the equipment that is uh, on the critical side, critical information side, the operational network is not supposed to be tested the way you test um, a computer. And uh, that equipment controls the network. And if that equipment is offline or misbehaving, the results would be undesirable. And that is why I said it would have been a disaster. There are these nuances that you have to take into consideration when you are securing critical information infrastructure. Okay, thanks. Okay, so before we get into the last part, are there any words of wisdom you'd like to impart on listeners who may be interested in not just cybersecurity, but maybe want to follow your footsteps? Anything you'd want to, um, you know, just give them some free advice? Yes. One, learn how to touch type. I never used to say this, but uh, mm. in my several years of training, I realized that uh, we have people that are operating in the cybersecurity sphere who still hunt and peck. So uh, I now start with uh, that uh, uh, advice, learn how to touch type. Second thing is learn a bit about computers and networks. The third is uh, obviously uh, what used to be my first uh, advice, learn how to use Linux. 
And obviously, the fourth one that Tammy doesn't like is learn how to script or program. <laughs> uh, she gets into she do these. Um, I guarantee you that it may not get you an interview, but if you do get the job, uh, you, you it will set you apart. Right. Okay, Brenda. Before you come in, okay. So, why have you said um, learn? Linux. What is it about Linux that uh, people in cybersecurity should take a keen interest to? Uh, primarily because it is not a operating system that uh, will only do what the designers intended to do. Um, mm-hmm. I think it has an intimate interaction with the hardware. And because it's open source, you have a big community that... Uh, I will support you. And uh, I'm not sure you should be talking about hacking if your main operating system is uh, is Windows. Uh, a few years ago, actually, uh, the McAfee, someone from McAfee uh, was hacked uh, and, secu- uh, and he was someone in a security department, obviously McAfee. And it was discovered that he was using Windows. The hackers uh, heckled him over fact that uh, was using Windows. One of them actually asked him what kind of security person uses Windows. But but, uh, uh, I I talk about, I did computer forensics using uh, Windows and uh, associated uh, tools. And then uh, I discovered later on when I was doing the advanced forensics that uh, I didn't need to pay for licenses using uh, Windows. I could actually do uh, the same forensics using Linux uh, for free because it was open source and in some instances in a more effective uh, and efficient manner. So that is why I say learn Linux. Okay. Okay, great. And Tambi, you should do your programming. Don't worry, I suck at it too. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck with that one. <laughs> I mean, it, in all fairness, I also don't like programming, so... So I am with Tambi on this, so that um, <laughs> I'll leave it for other people to do. But yeah, so we're going to go into the fun part, the getting to know who um, Cholwe is. Uh, so our first question is, uh, what is your hidden talent? Um, so I'll go on lemon and say teaching of all things. Uh, hmm. I've always loved um, teaching and uh, uh, every time. I'm asked to do teaching training. Uh, sometimes I actually get convinced that I need to be paid. I can almost do it for free most of the time. But yeah, teaching is my my uh, my hidden talent. Okay. Nice. What was the last thing you googled before this interview? Uh, very techy. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to get metadata on an image, but it was a PNG. So. I thought I could just run a script to get the metadata from the file. Uh, but then I discovered that I was hitting a wall. So when I Googled, I then learned that PNG does not store uh, EXIF data, which is uh, on every JP, JPEG by default. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do some some more tweaking in order to get the the metadata. So that's the last thing I Googled. Suffice okay. to say, uh, I still haven't fixed that script to get metadata from a PNG. All still right. working on it. Well, good luck with that one. Hopefully you you get your answer soon. Um, what song best describes your work ethic? Yo, 
Oke. Okay. Um, song. Uh-huh. Hmm, I really can't tell. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I suck at music and uh, uh, movies, but the same. Nah, I don't think there's a song I can point it. Okay. Okay, that's fine. Um, what's a random award or recognition you feel you deserve? You mean like, uh, wait, uh, <laughs> like, like, like standing on a podium and being given uh, a plaque for something <laughs> I've done? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Could be, could be, could be for your hidden talent. <laughs> you know, maybe you play football. You're the best striker. Something. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I've reached that yet. <laughs> uh, also because uh, I'm not saying this out of spite because I haven't gotten some of the awards that people are getting in the country. So when I see some of the people are getting awards, I'm like, ah, uh, pass. So maybe that's why. <laughs> I, 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 I will say I'm, I'm not yet there, you know. I don't, I don't okay. uh, Well, I don't want to be associated with those people. <laughs> okay <laughs> all right um our last question is what movie can you practically quote from start to finish um uh, so um like i said i've discovered recently that i don't do movies much but uh if you allow me i'd rather say maybe my favorite series uh which um i used to watch a lot and i wouldn't mind watching again is obviously ncis and uh, right. interestingly enough, my two favorite characters were Abby, for obvious reasons. She's a genius with, uh, you know, breaking into systems and uh, finding forensics, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then obviously uh, Gibbs, because um, um, he didn't smile much. So, that's why I <laughs> <laughs> so you, you didn't take a liking to CSI, CSI Miami, yeah. CSI Vegas? Crime or, you know, all those different ones. CSI. CSI Miami, uh, no, definitely not. CSI is yes. Uh, no, I think he's uh, okay. Uh, wait. yeah, well, no, uh, let's stick to uh, yeah, yeah, let's stick to NCIS. NCIS was, was awesome. Actually, when I was uh, working for the regulator, I used to um, advise my team to watch it because. I noticed that some of the, the digital forensics things that were being referred to in the movie were pretty spot on, you know? So, yeah. That's interesting because mostly when people in our industry watch, you know, one of these other um, CSIs or cybercrime or whatever they say, they usually say that it's overrated. It's, it's not exactly what usually goes on. So it's very interesting for you to say that, you know, some of the stuff uh, you actually watch. CSIs, but... Uh, yeah, if you start talking about CSI cyber, uh, yeah, uh, they usually go overboard. Like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. But yeah, especially here. But then maybe they have the systems over there to, you know, like switch on phones that are off and stuff like that. Like they say, but yeah, you know. Cool. So we've come to the end um, of our interview. Thank you so much, Olu, for, you know, being a team player and, and coming through and, you know, giving your words of wisdom. Is there anything else you would want to say to our listeners before we close out? Um, 
I would like to definitely thank the both of you for this uh, singular honor and privilege, um, and uh, also to encourage you to um, keep up the good work. Uh, we need more um, cyber security evangelists, especially um, here where we are in uh, Zambia and on the African continent as, the, as a whole. So uh, thank you very much um, for this opportunity. Oh, thank you for the kind words. So we're signing out now. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Honeypot Chats with Brenda and Tambi. Join us next time 